0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Which greeting is appropriate? Well, I guess it depends on which time you're watching this sermon by means of video. Hey, I know these are some difficult times for all of us as we've had to make some huge adjustments to our schedule, especially to our church attendance, but I am thankful to God for modern technology that allows us to be able to come into your home and to be able to share the Word of God by means of video. So these are days not for Christians to back up and uh, to tone it down. These are days for us as God's people to get the message out. This is the time when the church needs to be the church. You see, sometimes we think we come to church, and we do, but what's more important even than that is being the church. And so God is giving us an incredible opportunity in these days, weeks, perhaps months that are in front of us to be able to really be the church. Well, we need one another. We need to encourage one another. And I'm glad we can do that by means of these video services and other resources that are being passed along uh, during this time. Well, for the last several weeks, We've been preaching on the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. Someone once asked the great preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, why all his sermons sounded alike. Spurgeon replied and he said, well, they ought to all sound alike. I take a text from anywhere in the Bible and I make a beeline for the cross. Well, that's a pretty good way to preach. It worked for Spurgeon and I think it works for people today as well. And so what I've been trying to do is to just make a beeline for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ in these messages that I've been bringing. Well, today, we come to the fifth saying from the cross, and we read about that saying in John chapter 19 and verse 28. And the scripture says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst, I thirst. That's the fifth statement from the cross. And that that fifth statement is a word of identification. You see, Jesus left heaven's glory and came down to this earth to die on a cross so he could identify with us. Sometimes people think of God as being remote and detached. They refer to him as the man upstairs. They refer to God in some kind of an unknown way. But God came down to us in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. We celebrate that at Christmas, don't we? But here as we approach Easter, we celebrate Jesus going to the cross and dying for our sins and being resurrected From the grave. Jesus came to this earth. He experienced what we experienced so he could identify with us. The great theologian Dr. John R. W. Stott has written a wonderful book entitled The Cross of Christ and in his book he says this and I quote, I could never myself believe in a God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? I turned to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross, nails through his hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerably thirsty, plunged into God-forsaken darkness. That is God for me. He set aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death. And when Jesus says from the cross, when he cried out and said, I thirst, Jesus is identifying with us right now in the midst of pain, suffering, panic, distress, fear, all of those kind of things. Jesus entered this world with us, and he knows exactly what it's like. You know, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 that there are three parts of us that make us who we are. And when Jesus came, he identified with all three of those parts. In 2 Thessalonians Uh, chapter or 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, Paul writes and he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Paul makes it clear in that passage of scripture that there are three parts that make you who you are. There's body their soul, and their spirit. With the body, we have physical life, and we're able to know the world beneath us. With our soul, which is our mind, will, and our emotions, we have psychological life, and we're able to know the world that's around us. But with our spirit, that third part of us, we're able to know the spiritual world. We're able to know God and have fellowship with him. God made us that way. Just as God is a triune being, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, God has made man a triune being in that sense. There's body, there's soul, and there's spirit. And what I want to share with you in this message is when Jesus from the cross cried out, I thirst, Jesus was identifying with us in body, In soul and in spirit. Let me show you how as we look at those two words, I thirst. Jesus identifies with us in three ways. He identifies with our body in this way. Number one, Jesus identifies with our physical situation. Now, God came into this world in the physical body of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians, in chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, the scripture says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Jesus, when he entered this world, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. He was both intertwined into one. He was the son of God, but he was also the son of man. In the first century, the Gnostics taught that uh, Jesus really didn't have a physical body. They denied the fact of the incarnation. Uh, The Gnostics thought that the physical body was evil, and therefore, if God had a body, then God would be evil. And so to try to get around this, the Gnostics taught that Jesus only appeared to have a body. They thought that he was some kind of a ghost or a phantom. They even went as far as to say that the body was evil, and that if God and and that uh, Jesus, if he uh, walked on the sand, that he didn't even leave a footprint. <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous is that? But ladies and gentlemen, the teachings of the scripture refute what the Gnostics were teaching. Jesus had a real body. It took both, being God and man, all rolled into one. If I were to hold up a $20 bill in front of you, in order for that $20 bill to be real and legitimate it would have to have something on both sides of it, wouldn't it? Something on the front, something on the back. The same thing's true with the Lord Jesus Christ. He had to be fully God and fully man at the same time. And so Jesus had to be both. He had to be fully perfect and sinless in order to die for our sins because Jesus was fully human He can also identify with every aspect of our humanity. And so when Jesus said, I thirst, his mouth was dry and his tongue was parched. When Jesus was without food, he got hungry. When he traveled a long journey, he got tired. When he was cut, he bled. Jesus had a physical body. Listen, if your body is racked with pain today, Jesus understands. If you are going through a time where you're sensing unearthly loss, Jesus understands. And even if you're listening to this sermon right now and you're bored out of your mind, Jesus even says, I understand, you should have heard that rabbi when I was a boy growing up in the synagogue. So you see, Jesus can identify with every aspect of our physical situation. But Jesus also identifies with that second part of us, our soul. Jesus identifies with our soul's suffering. Now, because you are a soul, you have a mind, a will, and you have emotions. You can think, you can make decisions, you can feel things internally. And as you know, hurting on the inside is sometimes worse than even hurting on the outside, isn't it? We've all known that inner pain and, and anguish. Well, Jesus came to identify with your soul's suffering. Jesus felt things on the inside. Jesus had emotions. At the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus wept. He knew sorrow. Isaiah prophesied about Jesus and said that he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. I thought about that a lot because when I was 20 years old, my father passed away. And I remember, though that happened so unexpected, I remember the grief that I was experiencing and I remember that it brought tremendous comfort into my life at that time to realize that Jesus could identify with my pain because somewhere between the time Jesus was 12 years old in the temple and when he began his public ministry at the age of 30, somewhere between those years, his earthly father, Joseph, also died. And so Jesus identified with me Even in the midst of having to give up my dad at what I thought was much too young of an age. Jesus can identify with everything you face. Jesus knew what it was like to be rejected. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 34, Jesus talked about Jerusalem and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem how often would i have gathered you together just like a mother hen gathers her little ones under her wings but you would not they rejected him john chapter 1 verse 11 says that he came unto his own but his own received him not they rejected him hey right now are you suffering grief sorrow rejection if so the same savior who said from the cross i thirst he identifies with you. But Jesus not only identifies with our body and with our soul, Jesus also identifies with that third part of us, our spirit. Jesus identifies with our spiritual struggles. Let me share an interesting verse with you in that regard. This is from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17. 18 and the scripture there says therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to god to make a propitiation for the sins of the people now get this part of the, uh, the next part in verse 18 for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are being tempted. And then we're told later in the book of Hebrews, in chapter four, and in verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but with but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Have you ever been tempted to the degree that you suffered when you were tempted? Jesus endured that kind of temptation. And Jesus overcame that temptation. Jesus didn't sin. And therefore, because Jesus encountered that severe of a temptation, he can aid us. He can sympathize with us in the middle of our temptation. Our spiritual struggles. Here's the point of all that I've been trying to say to you through this message. As the Son of God, Jesus was able to be the perfect, sinless sacrifice from the Heavenly Father's perspective. And then as the Son of Man, Jesus was able to identify with us in all ways in which we suffer and struggle in life. Therefore, he is the perfect sacrifice from our perspective as well. It's no wonder that when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, John said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. There's a church In Norway, where the figure of a lamb can be seen carved high upon the tower of the church. There's a fascinating story behind that carving. When the church was under construction many years ago, workmen were on the scaffolding working on the uncompleted tower. One of the workmen lost his balance and fell screaming toward the pavement many feet below His fellow workers climbed down, expecting to find the man dead. But to their amazement and joy, he was found alive and walking around with only slight injuries. How did that happen? Well, at the moment of his fall, a flock of sheep was passing underneath the tower. And when the workman fell, he fell on top of a lamb. The lamb was crushed to death, but he broke the workman's fall and he survived. In memory of his miraculous deliverance, the workman carved a lamb on the tower at the exact height from which this workman fell. That's a powerful image, isn't it? And it applies to all of us. We are fallen men and women. And Jesus is the Lamb of God who, as Isaiah says, was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, Isaiah 53, verse 5. Jesus, the Lamb of God, went to the cross carrying the burden of our sin and rebellion and the load of sin crushed him to death. But in his death, he broke our fall And now we can walk away forgiven and delivered by his death on the cross. After that, I just want to say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for all of us. Would you join me in a moment of prayer of thanks unto the Lord right now? Heavenly Father, oh, how we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, and for the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. And we're thankful, Father, that he broke our fall and he took away our sins and he's made it possible now for us to have fellowship with you here and now and to enter heaven when we die. How thankful we are. We praise your name in Jesus' name. And now let me ask you to do this. If you're listening to this message and you've never received Christ as your Savior, but you would like to receive him as your Lord and Savior today, would you just do these three things? Would you repent of your sins, place saving faith in Jesus Christ, and surrender to him as the Lord of your life? And you can do that right now by praying this prayer with me and meaning it. And from the depths of your heart, pray like this. Oh, Heavenly Father, I realize that I'm a sinner who is in need of a Savior. And I confess my sins unto you now. I repent of those sins. I turn from them and I place my faith in Jesus and in the sacrifice that he made on the cross for my sins. And Lord, I surrender now to your Lordship I've been in the driver's seat of my life, but Lord, I want you now to take the wheel. I want you to be in the driver's seat and I want to follow you wherever that you lead. Lord, come into my life, save me, change me, help me to live for you from this moment on. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you received Jesus Christ, be sure and let us know because we want to help you with some follow-up material and some other things that can help you to get started right in the Christian life. Well, God bless you. Thank you for listening to the message today. We're praying for you. Lisa and I miss being with you all so much, but I'm thankful that we can share with you now through this message. God bless you. Have a great week. And remember, let's not just meet as a church. Let's be the church in these days ahead. God bless you.